everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey London. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. Hello, Salon Pro. As pros, beauty boxes with sample sizes just don't cut it. How can you possibly know a product is right for your clients after trying a sample? You need full-size products to try, test, feel, and play with. Enter Hello Salon Pro, a full-size pros-only beauty box by The Tease. It's a bi-monthly subscription for salon professionals with five full-size products up to a $200 value for just $24.99 plus shipping. We send you everything from the most popular and trending brands to new innovations, large and small. Anything we think you might want to curate for your back bar or retail to your clients. Head to thetease.shop to subscribe for our next box. Shipping every Friday starting February 15th. So there was a concert. The concert was great. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? We don't even need to say who, what, when, where. We all know. We all know. It was great. It was incredible. I'm such a fan. Love her. Same. Don't really understand people being like, it was the worst NFL performance of all. No. Like, I just, like, I begged to differ. And I went one step further because I'm petty and I love Rihanna. Mm-hmm. I watched some old ones. And I got to tell you. I'm putting it out here. Madonna's was trash. Yeah. Like there was a, cause there's like a list of, I, I don't know if it was the, it might've been the New York times where they like ranked performances. And there were some people that were really like far up there Yeah, in terms of ranking that I, in watching back 12 plus years later, it does not hold up. Yeah. And I feel like Rihanna's was dope. What are your thoughts? You know, I liked it because number one, I think I've just seen the memes where it's like, of course, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I just showed up to play some of my songs because that's cute. Like, I didn't need to rip someone's article of clothing off. I didn't need to bring in guests outside of the special guest, (laughs) which was... Quite a special guest. So, yes, a very special guest. It was the Invisimat Instant Setting and Blotting Powder, which, yeah, do you think I'm going to buy? Sure am. Uh, So, kudos to the Fenty marketing team because that was total fire. And I think she was incredible. The marketing genius behind that whole like product Mm -hmm. placement was beautiful. And then the savage Fenty, but also, I mean, so Fenty Beauty, Fenty Skin product, like we love that. But then afterwards, in terms of pushing the dance Mm -hmm. looks and all of that, like again, there's nothing this woman can't do, Mm -mm. which is why it's just like we stand. And then, yeah, I mean, I loved especially people being like, until she had announced that she was pregnant, defending. Right. And being like, we're not talking about her body. Yes. And then like once it was official, then also celebrating that because that's such a cool feat that like she performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Pregnant, like suspended from those like crazy platforms. Scary. And like the most voluminous, crazy leather. Like it was just, it was so cool. So cool. It was so cool. The be- the best pregnancy announcement ever, like in the world. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you top that? You don't. <laughs> you don't. You literally don't. And I too was sitting there with one of my friends and we're watching it. And I'm like, oh, they're like, is she pregnant? And I'm like, I don't know. I, she just had a baby. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Good for her mm-hmm. that she didn't feel like she needed to get all the way, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. And then she's, of course, was pregnant. But I was certainly defending her as well. Mm-hmm. As we should. She's lying. Yeah. Has it been a minute since an album? Yes. Is the Navy, myself included, going to have to wait for some more? I think we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to wait for another baby at least. Yeah. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm fine with it. Like, good for her. I'm happy that she's collecting her coins, Same. entertaining us. Like, what else do you want from her? Right. Class act all around. <laughs> good job. Endorsed by the T's. Boom. So, on our last episode, we talked with Susan L. Peterkin, an award winning cosmetologist. 
hair loss expert and pioneer in cosmetology and the natural hair industry. Susan has been responsible for creating several firsts in the natural hair category, such as creating and implementing the first texture hair care program at a correctional facility, teaching the natural hair course at Montgomery College, opening the first all-natural hair, no extensions, salon in the DMV area, Jaha Hair Studio from 1996 to 2021, and then opening the first ever natural hair care salon located inside of a dermatologic office. Make sure that you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volume up at thetees.com. This week, we're talking with Erin Rausch-Miller, who's been an industry stylist for the last 11 years. She was trained at the Aveda Institute of Madison, and it was there that she developed passion for green products and absorbing as much knowledge as she possibly could. Erin believes hair is a game of cause and effect and is understood with the power of predictability. Countless classes, including Head Shape Matters, Hair Color Magic, and working with brands like Colorspace and Evo have empowered her to provide guests with individualized services based on their needs. Erin is the owner of House of Hair, located in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, where listening comes first, followed by a science-based approach to services. House of Hair provides a space of acceptance that transcends gender, race, age, and sexuality. The goal is that every person who enters House of Hair truly feels they're right at home. While we're talking about things at home, hmm. this is a story that you brought to my attention that we're going to talk about on this very podcast, yes. which is that people are apparently using craft school supplies mm. for cosmetic purposes. Yes. Kelly, do you want to unpack this one? Yes. Yeah, so TikTokers are using colored pencils dipped in water mm -hmm. as makeup. And, you know, the TikTok hack, as they're calling it, mm. I think could go awry on many levels. <laughs> Am I right? You're very right. Um, I don't know this is a hack as much as like a... Right. Why? Like, I feel like there's a certain performative nature of TikTok in particular with these like, why, just why are we doing it? Yeah, just the... What? Like, I mean... I mean, it's the virality of it, right? Because you're like, what the heck? But still, you know, TikTokers are saying it's an affordable alternative to makeup. But there's obviously many potential dangers. It started with lip liner. Mm -hmm. Now it's an eyeliner. And there's even things happening from a full face perspective. And I got to tell you, maybe I had the cheap colored pencils back in the day, but those suckers were hard enough to get color on the paper. That's what I'm getting. Right. Let alone a lip liner. And I just feel like if you're, if you've got a colored pencil handy, how do you not have mm -hmm. like a lip liner? Yep. Or like, I just like, mm -hmm. why is that easier to grab for? It's not. I, I just, I have questions. To be clear. I don't think it makes sense. <laughs> and I don't want this. I don't, I'm certainly not participating in this trend. Mm -mm. I can't imagine you would. No, no, sir. Would you listener? Would you? I, 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 if you would, if you were going to do this or if you had done it, we'd love to hear about it. Cause I, hmm. I've got questions. You know, I did know someone once that was sort of in a, an immediate panic, if you will. They got called into a meeting mm. and we're not expecting it. You know, they were, did not have any makeup on and they grabbed the ballpoint pen and used it for a little smoosh of a eyeliner. And, you know, it wasn't a good idea then. Mm. And it's not a good idea now. No. So, no. Anywho. <laughs> anywho. Yeah. Let's not, let's not do that. Let's, mm -hmm. let's buy the proper product. Let's do that. Things that are tested <laughs> for skin mm -hmm. waterline. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, let's talk about things that are trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week on covering industry news, looking into trends and diving into the brands that, that you don't know, but you definitely should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, big news for our industry, the 2023 Naha finalists. See the full list here. Over in we've detailed out exactly who's nominated. The Professional Beauty Association, PBA, is delighted to announce the 34th annual North American Hairstyling Award finalists. The merited finalists of the prestigious professional beauty competition were revealed on February 1st in Scottsdale. And for this year's competition, finalists competed across 14 creative and inspirational categories of hair, makeup, and education excellence, all in the hopes of winning the big award. The competition was composed of extraordinary collections ranging from edgy avant-garde all the way to fashion-forward editorial and nuanced texture. Over the course of three rounds, collections are judged by a panel of esteemed experts in hairdressing and makeup artistry, not only scoring contestants on technical skill, but also the cohesiveness and creativity of their collections. Head to the tees.com to see the full list of the finalists. We've hyperlinked to every single person so you can see their work, which is incredible. Kelly, which is your favorite category? Who are you pulling for? Yeah, you know, I think I've got a couple and I think they're the ones that maybe fall under the radar a little bit. We love that. So I love the fact that we are doing a student hairstylist of the year because Mm -hmm. I think that that would be quite the resume builder, right? So Mm -hmm. I love that, that we've got students out there, you know, here at the T's, we want to elevate the profession. And so let's do it by giving them the awards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I also really like the texture category and avant-garde because I think there's so many unique and different and cool and fun things that can be done within those categories. And this is a great award for me because I love celebrating the passion and creativity of the industry. Oh, so exciting. Cannot wait for the big event, which is April 2, Mm. April 2nd. We'll see you soon. We'll see you there in Anaheim. All right, next up on the tease, recreate the Kalina Strata Fall Winter 2023 Runway Hair Animal Prosthetics Optional. Mm. So that's the title. Mm -hmm. Just bear with me and we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Easily one of New York Fashion Week's most buzzed about shows, Kalina Strata's Fall Winter 23, Please Don't Eat My Friends show feature models <laughs> in various animal prosthetics. Mm-hmm. We're talking beaks, snouts, enormous ears, the works. It was pretty punk and the hair matched that mood. Our overall hair story for the show is a grungy cool look that is enhanced to show natural texture. The inspiration starts with the Kalina Strata girl, the downtown edgy punk fashion lover combined with Hillary's inspiration of farm life referencing horses, manes, and roosters. Each look has an organic undertone that is colorful yet muted and convivable, said Ebony Frausto, lead hairstylist for Bumble and Bubble. Head to the tease to see how to recreate the looks. Kelly, mm. first, let's just talk about the hair. What did you think about the hair? <laughs> you know, I think it's wild and crazy and cool and oh so interesting. I mean, to work around the prosthetics, right? That's the deal. With the hair, like the big ears, yep. the beak, mm-hmm. all of the things. I think it's a pretty interesting, edgy look. For sure. Certainly. Definitely editorial. Mm -hmm. Very much runway. Capital F fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, But the hair was incredible. So (laughs) I'm not going to put on like a cow snout situation. Mm -mm. But I did like some of the pastel grungy stuff that was happening. So check out that article on the tease. I was trying to think like which one, if you were like one of the models, let's just say they're like pick one. What would it be? I mean, would it be like the cat nose (laughs) and the teeth and the whiskers? I think I could do that one. <laughs> I, I feel like that one was was fun. I, some of them were really yeah. pushing the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, the bird beak kind of got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot. Um, but the hair is great. So yeah, <laughs> check it out on the tees.com. 
Next, we've got Black Beauty roster launches portals to connect Black Beauty pros with job opportunities in entertainment. Over the last few years, much has been said about the lack of Black hairstylists working in Hollywood. Many Black actresses such as Storm Reid, Monique Coleman, and Megan Good have spoken out against the entertainment industry's hair diversity problem, sharing their frustrations and heartbreaking experiences working with hairstylists who have little to no knowledge of how to work with Black or textured hair. In light of this, the Black Beauty roster, a collective dedicated to amplifying the work of Black beauty artists across the fashion and entertainment industry, is hoping to create a new industry standard, one that makes it easier for Black beauty pros to get hired on sets. To help support their mission, the organization recently debuted its BBR portal, which aims to connect their directory of over 10,000 vetted beauty pros with editorial, red carpet, and film job opportunities. Head to thetees.com to learn more about this new portal. How cool is this? Yes. It only took however many years, but kudos to the team. I'm here for it. Black beauty roster in the portal. Let's connect those pros. Let's get them woven into the industry, the opportunities. It took a little long, but we're here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As always, so much going on tease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, my interview with Erin Rausch-Miller. She's been in the industry for the last 11 years and the story and thoughtfulness You're going to love it. It was a great one. Today in the pod, we have Erin Rausch-Miller. She has been an industry stylist for the last 11 years. She was trained at the Aveda Institute of Madison. It is where she developed a passion for green products and absorbing as much knowledge as she could. Erin believes hair is a game of cause and effect and is understood with the power of predictability. Countless classes, including Head Shape Matters, Hair Color Magic, and working with brands like Colorspace and Evo have empowered her to provide guests with individualized services based on their needs. Erin is the owner of House of Hair, located in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, where listening comes first, followed by a science-based approach to services. House of Hair provides a space of acceptance that transcends gender, race, age, and sexuality. The goal is that every person who enters House of Hair truly feels like they're right at home. So Erin, that's quite the bio in the background. We're going to get into it today. Thank you. So great to have you on the pod. Before we get started, or as we're starting, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you get your start from a salon professional space? Yeah, so... Going into the hair industry is actually not what I originally thought that I was going to do. I grew up wanting to be a fashion designer. Amazing. I wanted to make clothes. I wanted to go into the fashion industry. And when I went into it, I discovered that it didn't really align with what was going to feed my soul and, and set my soul on fire. So it's when I was talking to my parents, actually that they pointed out, you know, I think you should go into a creative field. Mm -hmm. I think that you should, you know, explore the prospect of doing hair. And Mm. they brought this up because I actually used to, um, I used to cut my friend's hair at my house all the time. I didn't know what I was doing, but my parents saw this and they were like, well, what if you did it professionally? And I was kind of hesitant because I was like, I don't want to be like, I don't know, like in a superficial, like minded industry. And they just responded, you're going to get as much out of it as you put into it. Mm-hmm. And then I finally took the plunge and I said, okay, I'll check out some local beauty schools. How am I going to do that? And my dad was teaching me, he's also a business owner. Okay. So he was teaching me the importance 
of having assets. And he said, well, you did just pay your car off. So you could sell that and go to school. And I was like, I worked so hard. (laughs) I just, I, I worked so hard for that car. And it's in putting in the hard work that I realized, okay, this clicks, Mm -hmm. you know, and stepping into a space of vulnerability really to see what I might be capable of. So then when I did go into beauty school, everything kind of made sense. And I, I started loving the science behind the hair. So my fabric changed from actual fabric to mm-hmm. the fabric of hair. I'm still working in a 3D art way. Yep. And hair is just my medium now. So that's so cool. I love that story. Thank you. Because, you know, and kudos to your parents for being so supportive and to kind of pull your passion forward. Because, you know, a lot of times um, we talk with stylists and it's like, yeah, my parents wanted me to go to a four year school. And so I did it right. and I hated it. Yep. And I had all these student debt and all these loans. And I was in a place where I didn't have direction. And then I went to beauty school and found that direction. So totally, I love that so much because one of our points of differentiation here at the T's is to elevate this profession Absolutely, that you can go so many places. So yeah. well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been quite a journey. I love that you talk about Harris, um, a fabric as well. So very smart. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, you recently opened your salon. Tell us about that experience. It was wild. So uh, <laughs> we were still in the middle of a, a global pandemic when I decided to open and wow. I saw the door and I was like, you know what? I could step through that door. I could create something that is really beautiful. And if I'm in a space of searching for something that I want, why not try to create it? Sure. Yeah. You know, talk about stepping into moments of vulnerability. I'm going to thank my therapist along the way. (laughs) Yeah. Because she says, you know, more important than the knowledge of something is the willingness to figure it out. Mm. So that has kind of been on my mind as I am opening my business, Mm -hmm. as I'm doing hair services, you know, we might not know, but if you have the willingness to figure it out, you're going to be okay. You know, and then two, I'm so thankful to have a really amazing support system behind me. Um, My parents, my wife, my therapist, uh, my family and friends, they were all like, yeah, that makes sense for you. You should go. You should do it. So a space was open and I was like, you know what? I've got the security deposit. Let's, Let's go. Let's do it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I also needed to... I guess, bring myself back to my why when I did start, Sure, you know, begin with the end in mind, but, and even though things are speeding up, slow myself down Mm -hmm. so that I really could narrow in on the, the culture that I wanted to create, the space that I wanted to create, who my demographic was that I was working with and knowing that I'm doing right by them first and foremost. Yeah. I love that. So much thoughtfulness went into it. What was one aspect that, you know, what, what is one aspect of owning a salon that's surprised you the most? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So it was like a huge mountain that I needed to climb. I'm using a lot of analogies here. I hope that's all right. I like it. I needed to start with just one step at a time. I am 
you know, being vulnerable, right? Like I am a neurodivergent person. Um, I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was six. Okay. And so I knew that going into this, I needed to be super organized. Okay. What also surprised me was that I needed to know how to back myself up mm. and I needed to know more so who I was. Cause there were times when I first opened my doors where I was like, okay, defer back to my manager. What does my manager want me to do? Oh, wait, mm -hmm. I'm the manager. Yeah. <laughs> no one's wait. backing me up here. Yeah. You know, so I needed to create an airtight plan that I was comfortable being flexible with yeah. as time went on. What kind of policies do I need to set in place for myself as a business owner so that I'm respecting myself and my craft and I can feed my cats? and my dog, <laughs> uh, but also so that, you know, I'm doing right by my clients. Mm -hmm. So it's so crazy when you open a salon, how everything is so connected. And there's so much that goes on behind closed doors when you are working as a stylist who works for an owner mm -hmm. versus being the owner. Yeah. For sure. There's a lot of facets that go into it that again, if you are that stylist, you're like, wait a second. I thought I knew all of the things that were happening behind the scenes and right. you don't. Yeah, you don't. And, <laughs> you know, up until that point, I relied on my craft and the knowledge that I gained from doing the actual styling and the actual haircutting. Yeah. And this time I needed to become a new kind of student. Yeah. And I needed to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, every part of your life is going to demand a different kind of self and what kind of self was I stepping into? And I, I didn't know. Yeah. So yeah. Pretty cool. And I mean, amid a pandemic too, right? There's a lot of like self-reflection, discovery, growth that happened in that time. And you really did step into vulnerability that was multi-layered. <laughs> yeah. Right. And too, not that, not that she was ever like, you know, discouraging, but my wife was like, she, she's a very like safety minded, like, yeah. okay, let's get all of the plans planned before anything happens. And yeah. she was like, are you sure you can do this? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I have plans. And if I don't have plans, I will have plans. So yes. it's going to be fine. <laughs> Perfect. So if you talk about, you know, okay, let's do this. We're going to open a salon. How do you stand out from the competition? It's interesting. So this is going to sound really, uh, it might be an unpopular opinion, okay. but I needed to focus more on myself okay. in order to stand out from the competition. Mm -hmm. I really needed to make sure that I was doing right by my services okay. first and foremost, and not so much worry about the competition. And if I am doing right by my guests by doing so, then I would consider that a win for sure. You know, paying attention to my benchmarks, paying attention to, you know, um, from a stylist perspective and a business perspective, you know, paying attention to where I was allocating my funds to keep my business going. Okay. I think a lot of times when we talk to any person, they're like, oh, you're opening your own business. So you get to keep a hundred percent of the funds. Uh, it's right. like, <laughs> actually, actually, and this was a recommendation from my dad. He said, consider yourself your own employee. Mm -hmm. You might be the owner, 
but you're your own employee. Mm -hmm. So house of hair owns everything that is brought in and I need to respect my business then Mm -hmm. and know how to prioritize those things. I hope that answered your question. It did. Yeah. Again, very thoughtful. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So you opened the salon and in 2022, you also had a a kind of a crazy year. So it was mentioned that you did 20 weddings Yeah, and you were in three of those weddings. Yeah. And so how did that all map out? Like we know event work is a great way to supplement daily, right? Daily work. But how did you make that happen in 2022? Oh my gosh. So, okay. (laughs) Well, my wife and I had our wedding in May of 2022. Oh Oh my. Yeah. So that kind of kicked off the wedding season. (laughs) And um, from then on, I lived in wedding world and it was super fun. Um, I think what really helped during that time was to keep myself organized, which again, you know, work on your weakness kind of thing. I needed to get an airtight contract that answered a lot of the questions that my clients might have on the front end of things Mm -hmm. so that there wouldn't be so much confusion on the back end of things. Great point. You know, um, I, I think that it's really important when you step into weddings that we're not overloading ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we are still providing that individualized service. We're giving every single bride exactly what they need and exactly what they need to feel on their day. The other thing that really helps is networking with other stylists in the area. When you work Mm. in your own space, it's really, really important to maintain, you know, a a level of professionalism and trust with other artists so that when you do approach them and say, Hey, I have this wedding, I would really love to do this with you that they are excited as well. And wedding days are like game days. Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) I get myself all hyped up and I'm like listening to music in the same way that I did when I was an athlete. And I'm like, okay, we're ready. Let's go. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, you get a good team together of makeup artists and other hairdressers and the whole system starts moving like a beating heart. Mm -hmm. And you turn around and you're done. Yeah. Cool. And everybody is pinned and sprayed to the gods. And, (laughs) and then you just, you feel like you've accomplished a big thing. And I think too, one of the biggest wins was securing other weddings after they had been taken care of by me as an attendant, they were like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I, I really liked what you did. Yeah. I felt really taken care of. And then, you know, networking too, with the photographers and cross posting their work and they cross post your work and Hey, I got your name from this photographer that worked with you. Mm -hmm. It, It generated more business. So, you know, making sure that you're stepping into it prepared and professionally and, um, really mindfully was ultimately what kept me going through those six months. Amazing. Well, you got that under your belt for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a wild <laughs> one because everyone was, uh, everyone held off on weddings for a long time. Yeah. True. Very true. So that's why there were so many. So that's very true. Okay. Shifting gears a little bit. We want to talk to you about tip etiquette. Yeah. So we're seeing small businesses change to a no tip model, increase wages or total fees. How do you think the market in the salon professional space will respond to that? Um, Like the buyer's market or the seller's market? Buyers. Okay. 
I think that buyers are, I'm not sure. Cause they still, they still ask me questions. How do I tip you? Right. You know? Um, and I think when you have the right buyer that understands that it's a premium craft mm-hmm. that they can't get anywhere else, then they're not going to mind paying what they need to pay as long as my work speaks for itself. True. No, um, I don't mind going the no tipping route as long as people are charging what they should fairly charge for their service, but also so that their service is backed up by that knowledge and education first and foremost. For sure. You know, you don't want to just raise your prices without a point of difference. You don't want to overcharge somebody just because that's the trend of the market. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're offering them a supplemented service, that your service is different than what it used to be and what you used to charge. Yeah. So what would you say as a stylist and salon owner is proper tipping etiquette? Sure. So I used to work as a server before I was a hairdresser and while I was a hairdresser. um, And so I guess if if I am recommending to a customer like tipping etiquette, I just say, you know, tip me as you would your server okay. at a restaurant. Yeah. And then they do with that what they will. Mm-hmm. But I know that, you know, what I am charging, regardless of if they tip me or not, is still going to keep my salon going. Okay. And I'm still going to be able to pay myself. Okay. So you're setting that bar. You're not intentionally relying, if you will, on the tip to skim that profitability off the top. Okay. Nope. Um, However, the tip does let me know whether or not I did a good job. That's fair. That's a good, yeah. It's a gauge and, you know, people are very generous and, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has like different viewpoints on, you know, what tipping should look like. Yeah. I think that regardless of what tipping etiquette should be, you should be charging what your service is worth. Yes. And that's the cherry on top, right? That is like the extra kick. Like you crushed it. I feel beautiful. I feel amazing. Like I can't get this anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do have to say that it is, it is still important um, to tip your stylists because the, the hairdressing industry is really interesting in that, you know, they're, aren't a lot of like supportive systems set up for stylists to be able to support themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, healthcare is not offered or like health insurance is not offered through your salon. You know, you don't always get as much paid time off as other industries would. So for that reason, Anytime anybody has tipped me, they they need to know, you know, it's it's helped me be able to provide myself with private insurance. Yes. So, great point. So great point. Okay. If we move into the theme of shaping, yes. Um, tell us a little bit about what is shaping, what does that mean to you? And we're gonna get into it. So, okay. It started <laughs> with a class okay. called Head Shape Matters. And I went out on a limb to take this class. Uh, 
my uh, family had asked me what I wanted for my birthday. And I said, I want to take a haircutting class. Cool. And they were like, that's really nerdy, but okay. <laughs> that was good. Uh, but what, what Head Shape Matters narrows in on, um, and it was a system developed by Kim Moore. Okay. Um, I cannot thank her enough for the work that she's put into this system because it has completely changed the way that I cut hair. Wow. So I actually have my comb with me okay. to kind of demonstrate. Perfect. Um, if I if I take this comb, yep. this is not just a comb for distributing hair, right? I'm actually utilizing it to lay it on the head okay. to see where each person's curvature is. Mm. And people are often a little confused. I'm like, I am <laughs> going to measure your head shape uh, in order to determine how I should cut your hair. Yeah. Because when you take one, you know, one haircut and try to utilize that same haircut on another person, Mm -hmm. it's not going to look the same because the way that everybody carries their hair, the way that their head is shaped is completely different. Yeah. Good point. So it's identifying that variable Hmm. that helps me give a, completely customized version of that haircut to that person. Um, Some people carry their hair below their occipital bone. Mm -hmm. Some people carry their hair right in front here. And they're like, why can't I get enough volume? Yeah. Why is it that when I ask for a layered haircut that I feel like my hair has all been chopped off? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I do. Yes. Yeah. So you narrow in on where the person carries their hair, you know, the growth pattern of the hair Mm -hmm. in order to give a customized haircut. So I have literally never heard of that before. And I've been in the industry a little while and my mom was a stylist for 40 years. Oh my gosh. I love it. And that is brilliant. That is so interesting. It opened up a whole world of things that I didn't realize, but it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Just about every time. Yes. So, huh? yeah, I think I freak my guests out the first time that I like, <laughs> lay my comb on their head and they're like, are you going to, are you going to tell me that I have a big head? And I'm like, that's not what I'm, <laughs> I'm not measuring the size of your head. I'm, I'm seeing where your parietal ridge is. I'm seeing where your occipital bone is mm-hmm. to tell me how I need to cut your hair. Wow. So, so smart. I love that. So are there certain cuts that look best on certain head shapes? I would say yes and no. I think that the bread and butter is finding a haircut that you get to wear, not one that wears you. Mm. Right. Yeah. So if you are asking for a haircut that kind of goes against what your hair might naturally want to do with its type texture and density, I might advise we go a different direction okay. so that you're not fighting it every morning. Because even though I only see somebody for an hour of time in my chair, they're spending the next seven weeks with their hair Yeah, every morning and every night. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say there's definitely certain haircuts that work better with certain um, head shapes or variables that that person might have. Okay. So I want to make sure that I marry what the person wants and what the person needs to be the, like this perfect customized cut for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So how, as a stylist, can you communicate or express to clients that the haircut 
that they may want right. is not going to be flattering for their head shape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a really, really hard one, especially when someone is absolutely sold on this haircut. Yeah. You know, I'll tell them, hey, you know what? Let's do a version of this kind of dip our toes in, see if it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, that's okay. We will go in a different direction, but really narrowing in on their hair as a functional piece of art. Okay. Right. I like that. Yeah. That's how I communicate with them that we want their hair to function for them. We don't want to have them fighting it, you know, and what they might want might again, contradict what they're willing to put in, you know, as far as work goes. Yeah. Right now, my favorite thing to do in the wintertime is give people fringe mm. because humidity is not a factor right now. Okay. So if you want to try out some fringe right now <laughs> is the time to try it. Okay. But we also go through and teach that person then how to style their fringe so they're not fighting it every morning. Yeah. So for sure. And it becomes a stressor, right? It's like, oh yeah, 100 yeah. <laughs> percent You know, that being said though, I do like bringing people into a, a place where we can break the mold and we can do something different than they've ever had. Mm -hmm. I'm never scared to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as we talk about everything that's going to go into it and what your new hair is going to need. Okay. I love it. Um, so we had a guest on the pod once say that they have their guests cover the face in their inspo picture yeah. and ask them if they still like the hair color. Is that applicable for haircuts as well? Are we looking at the whole picture and not assuming that cut's going on your face? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So it's actually really interesting that you say that because I was working for a very long time with people that were wearing masks. Oh, so essentially the face was covered. Right. And the haircut did look a little different here with the mask up versus with the mask down. So, yeah, I also needed to see where their jaw was for sure. I need to see <laughs> where the jaw sits in order to see how the hair is going to lay. Yeah. I don't think that any haircut is necessarily a bad haircut on someone you know, unless it's wildly unblended yeah, or, you know, is flipping out in a weird direction. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that it's a bad haircut okay, unless it's not well executed, but mm, fair. <laughs> you know, I, I hope that that didn't come off in, in the wrong way, but no. uh, I, I would say it's definitely beneficial to be able to look at the whole picture. I don't know that I would recommend covering up the face to see if they still like the haircut. Cause okay. yeah, I want to see where your cheekbones are. I want to see where your jawline, your jawline is. <laughs> and your smile. Right. I mean, it all, it is so, I want to see your smile. Interesting. Like how we look so different like this versus yeah. And we we're so used to it for so long. <laughs> 100%. Okay. In your bio, you noted that hair is a game of cause and effect. Yes. Explain to me what that means. There are a lot of variables that go into hair, right? And I think that hair functions based on a couple of things, right? Okay. Hair functions based on the way that it's cut, the way that it's colored, mm -hmm. its type, texture, and density, the products that you use in the way that you touch it, okay. and also the environment, the elements, Yeah, you know? 
And if one of those things are changed, you know, whether we can control those things or not, something else is going to happen. True. So it's, it's my job to be able to understand if I change this little component, this might happen. Okay. If I change this little component, this might happen. Yeah. And that might look like recommending a different product. Mm. That might look like cutting it a little bit differently. Yeah. That might look like, you know, recommending that they put a nozzle on their blow dryer. Oh. You know, yeah. That's one that surprises me a lot is when, you know, we talk about heat styling and stuff like that. I'm like, do you have a nozzle on your blow dryer? And they're like, no, no, it it will really help smooth your cuticle. If you have a nozzle on your blow dryer versus letting it run wild and Hmm. exposing your hair to a windstorm, essentially. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's all a game of cause and effect. And I feel really accomplished as a stylist, if my predictions at the beginning and the things that we change up, it all comes together at the end. And I'm like, yep. yes, I, I won. You know, because there's a lot of variables, right? That you mentioned totally controlled or uncontrolled. There's a lot to consider. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then nine times out of 10, the person is also happy. Yeah. You know, that we, that we won that day. So, yeah, I love it. So um, the next part we're going to transition into is a little something we call the tease quick takes, which are just a fun way to get to know you and kind of round out the interview. So if you're ready, I'm ready. I will begin. Okay. What was your first ever product that you owned beauty or hair care? Oh, beauty. Okay. I uh, thought that mascara was uh, God's gift to the world. Mm. When I first tried it on, um, I remember experimenting in my mom's bathroom with her makeup and she was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, Um, and then her mascara would go missing because it would be in my book bag at school, (laughs) admittedly. And she was like, you know what, maybe we should we should get you your own stuff to play around with. And Mm -hmm. I, I just thought that makeup was such an interesting, um, medium to work with. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun form of expression yeah. that people can use. So do you still have a love affair with mascara? I do. Um, <laughs> although I have a fabulous lash artist who has like okay. hooked me up. So I don't even have yeah. to worry about what my lashes look like. I love me a lash artist. I love it. Love me a good lash artist. She love, she is the best. Because don't you think when you take them off or you give them a little breather after a couple of years, which I recently did and then realized I looked like a drowned oh, don't, cat or something. Don't say that about yourself. It was, it's good. It's good to give yourself a little bit of a breather. It is. I gave it a breather and we're back. We're back. We're back. All right. Are you superstitious? And if so, about what? I am. Okay. I'm totally superstitious. I I think a lot of stylists can empathize with leading by feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you need to wear more comfy clothes that day, just do it. Don't feel like your shoes are too tight that day because it's just, yeah. I, I get superstitious. Maybe I need to tie my shoes differently sometimes. And that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. It's okay. It's just a regrouping method. Um, I've also, I've totally been notorious for carrying crystals with me while I work. Okay. Yeah. So 
I've got a crystal in each pocket. I love that. And we're good to go. And then my wife finds them in the laundry machine, like later <laughs> on. She's like, what are these? What? <laughs> I love that. Good question for you. Um, who would play you in a biopic of your life? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think maybe maybe Demi Lovato. Okay. Maybe Demi Lovato. I like that. Thanks. I uh it was funny when I first met my wife, she told me that uh, she had a crush on Demi Lovato. And before I met her, someone had told me that I have the look of her. Oh, well, there you go. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I think that uh, Demi also steps into a lot of mm-hmm. vulnerable places herself. Yeah, so if she's sure. willing to go back to her acting to play a biopic of me. I would be honored. That would be it. All right. Um, what do you consider the ultimate comfort food? Oh my gosh, bread. Bread. You can't go wrong. Bread. <laughs> Any bread is is life. So uh, <laughs> growing up, my my grandpa was actually a baker. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. Everyone in my family works with their hands, and that was the way that he worked with his hands. Cool. And so for my birthday growing up, I used to get my own loaf of bread that I didn't have to share with yes, anyone. That is so cool. <laughs> I didn't even have to share with my brothers. And so bread always kind of brings me back yeah. to um, just, I don't know, a comforting place. It's symbolic. Yeah. It's like a... It's a deeply rooted mm-hmm. comfort food. Great story. I love that. Thank you. Last question. You are on a deserted island and can only bring three beauty products. What are you bringing? I am bringing a good shampoo. Okay. A really good clarifying exfoliating shampoo. Get all the yuck out. Okay. And hopefully I can double use it on my body because if I'm on a a desert island, you know, you probably want to feel clean. Yep. Um, I would also bring a salt spray. Oh, okay. Or like a, a scrunch product that I okay. let my hair go wild and do its thing. Okay. And I would bring a leave-in conditioner with UV protection. Okay, perfect. You're going to need that. To handle the knots. Yeah, you're going to you need know? it. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. This was so fun getting to know you. I love the thoughtfulness of how you approach your business, how you approach it now. Thank you. Your cutting technique. And it's just really, really refreshing and cool to hear. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. You bet. Where can everyone find you on the socials, on the dot com? Like, where are you at? I am on Instagram as House of Hair 608. Okay. And it's spelled H A U S of hair. Um, I have a bunch of modules on the top that talk about anything from my personal journey to uh, my coloring journey, my cutting journey, my, you know, all of that stuff. Um, So you can go there and explore there. And I I like to keep it small so that everybody has a directed place to go. Amazing. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much. um, And it was great to get to know you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Jeff. So how interesting head shape does matter. I mean, of course, right. But her technique of laying the comb on her client's head to figure out like, all the different ins and outs of the cut and the precision of it. I had never heard about that before. So kudos to Aaron. 
Be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.